hopeless that don't have any hope. We have a God who is a God of all hope, and the Bible says, who for those that don't have any hope. We have a God who is a God of all hope, and the Bible says, who fills us don't have any hope. We have a God who is a God of all hope, and the Bible says, who fills us with joy and peace and believing that we would abound to even more hope. And that hope is a confident expectation of good. No matter what we go through, we always know God's made a promise to us that he's going to work it out for good because we love him and are called according to his purposes. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning we're kind of uh, wrapping up what we've been in for quite a while. We've been talking about unity and how unity uh, is necessary for revival. Without, without unity, there's not going to be revival because Who's going to take care of those that are coming into the kingdom? So God has for us to be united. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 for us to be one. And uh, that oneness, that unity comes through love. And we've been looking at love. And um, I don't know if you watched any of the Olympics, but it's not just exclusive to the Olympics. But there was somebody referred to as a goat. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Who was it? Simone Biles, she was a goat, the greatest of all time. And uh, I was thinking about that, and when I thought about that, I, I, I know another name that's been associated with that in football, and that's Tom Brady. Now, why are these people called goats? Okay, this isn't going to work this way. <laughs> no wrong answer. You can give whatever you want. Uh, because the greatest of all times, they've excelled at what they do. They've done better or more or longer than someone else in that same category. But guess what? There was a, a goat before the goat. Right? Wasn't there somebody that everybody looked to and said, well, they're the greatest? In swimming, we look at, at Michael Phelps. But who was, some of you weren't even born probably. <laughs> exactly. Mark Spitz was the greatest of all time in his time. And then Phelps came along, and, and it happens this way. In boxing, there was one who said, I am the greatest. That's right, Muhammad Ali. And, and what happens is there's somebody that comes along, and they are the greatest. They truly are. They've excelled. They've exceeded everybody else. But over time, somebody else may come along and exceed what they did. So... They're temporarily the greatest of all time. But when God talks about the greatest, it's not temporary. Because when God says this is the greatest, there's nothing greater, ever will be greater, ever was greater, this is it. This is the benchmark. This is the, 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 uh, the focal point. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it tells us, and these won't be up on your screen, uh, tells us that three things will remain forever. How long is forever? <laughs> yeah, in the Greek, forever means forever. Uh, yeah, these three will remain forever. So nothing, none of these will ever go away. And, and the scripture says, and the greatest of these, there are three of them, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So this is the greatest thing. God's pointing at this one thing out of everything and saying this is the pinnacle. It's the foundation and it's also the pinnacle. It's everything. Uh, that, that is, it's the greatest of everything. 
And then John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus' own words, he said, a new commandment I give you that, you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this characteristic, this, this love, this agape is the greatest, but it's also supposed to be an ever-present part of our, our life. Every aspect, every area, every action, every attitude is supposed to be saturated and settled on love. And, and that's, that's something that requires change on our part because this love is not a human type of love. The love that we love one another with is, is a conditional love. It's a love that actually responds to what it's given. When, when we're loved, we love. But the way God loves, he loves before we ever loved him. And he'll always love us. And it won't change because of what we do. He'll never love you more than he did when you first came into the world. And he'll never love you less. I'm going to say that again. No matter what you do, God will never love you more than he does right now. And no matter what you do, God will never love you less. That, that is one of the most settling truths that we can get a hold of. It brings a stability and a peace to our lives because we know that God's not going to change. God's going to always be there. God's going to always want the best for us, no matter what we do. And, and that will give us the confidence to be able to turn back to God when we get off track with God. But we've been learning about this. And... In Colossians chapter 3.14, this is our foundational scripture. It says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Above all. So again, we have an indication that this is, this is above everything else. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. It's something that we have a choice of. We have to fight for every day. This, this love, even though it's the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, Romans chapter 5 says, we can push that love aside and operate in whatever emotion or feeling or action we want to operate in. But God has said, if we'll operate in this love, there are some great rewards. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to kind of wrap this up and see what some of the rewards are and, and what happens. But before we do, let's pray. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, thank you. God, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for being who you are. You are love. And you do love. You love every one of us, those that are yours and those that are coming to be yours. You've loved us with an everlasting love. And today, Father, we thank you for helping us realize and receive the revelation of how you who are love fill our lives, flood us, and flow through us to those around us. Lord, we're so grateful that that. You are always with us and for us. And you desire the best for us. 
And today, Father, we look to you and listen for you to speak to our lives, our hearts, and our situations, that we would hear your word, your truth, quickened by your spirit, to transform our lives, to bring healing and health, to bring freedom and strength and resilience like never before. And so, Father, we thank you for the good work that you've begun in us, that you're faithful to complete. Because you are at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. And as you do, and as we transform, and as we see people recognize the, the work that you're doing in us and through us, we'll be very careful to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, always and forever, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? This morning we're going to look in, in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 6 and uh, see what Jesus had to say uh, about our love and, and how we, we operate with other people, whether we are doing it the way God wants us to or we're trying to do it the best way we can. How many of you know sometimes we get overwhelmed and, and we just try and do our best and our best is not equal to God's best? Is that right? And, and so... We feel like we make this effort, but we know we're still falling short. Now, again, it doesn't change God's love towards us. But what happens is what God intended to come to us and through us isn't getting to the people around us the way God intended. And so in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 31, it starts out and it says this. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Now, what is that? Anybody remember what that is? The golden rule. Yeah. Another place it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, the world doesn't operate by the golden rule. They have a little twist on it. Do unto others before they do unto you. And, and you know, this, this tells us we have an opportunity to be proactive. That instead of responding to what people do to us. And that's our human nature. Our human nature is to respond and react to whatever happens to us. And we know that. If somebody yells at us, what's our immediate initial human response? Right. To yell back or at least start to bristle up. Right? You know, some of us we know we can't get away with it, so we just get... I don't even know how to describe that but we just rise up in there's a, a reaction so who's in charge in that situation what we did was we gave control over to the other person because they yelled at us we react to their yell and we're basically being controlled by them they initiated it now we respond to them we choose but we're reacting to them and if we react to any anything other than God, we're going to have less than what God intended. This is where we as Christians, we have to learn how to live life intentionally, not in a reactionary way. And it's, it's totally contrary to that. But we're supposed to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And then it goes on, Jesus says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that for you, to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. So just stay right there. Sorry, John. So right there, we have three indications. People without God can love people that love them, right? People without God will do good to people who do good to them. So this is confirming the fact that this is a reaction. We respond or react to what's coming to us which means we're really allowing something else to be the instigator of what our lives are all about. Because if somebody doesn't do good to us, we're not going to do good to them. And how many times do we run into people that aren't doing the best for us, are choosing to do the best for them? I'd say pretty often. But, but this tells us this is what people without God do. People without God just go through life reacting. And their life is out of control. And as a Christian, we can go through life that way. But it's not the way God intended. God didn't intend for us to be controlled by our environment, by our circumstances, by our situations, by what, what people do to us. You know, when we look at Jesus, when he was, when he was lied about, when he was beaten... All the things that were done to him, his, his response was, Father, forgive them. He loved them in spite of them. And, and I don't know about you, but for me, uh, all the years that I've, I've been really walking as a Christian, this is one of the biggest challenges that I've ever, ever faced in the fact that I realize I have to, I need to, God wants me to live a life led by him. Energized and initiated and directed by him, but it's so easy to fall into this. People give back what they get, but we as Christians need to give what we have received from God to those people to help them see God like never before. Going on, it says this in verse 35, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. So we're to love our enemies, hoping for nothing in return, give to our enemies. Remember, we're supposed to bless those people because it's the goodness of God that leads them in repentance, turning around towards God, it gets their attention. And so we're supposed to live a life that's absolutely contrary to what we, we have known and grown up in and learned in the world. Uh, and we're supposed to hope for nothing in return from them. Okay? There are times that I have in my life given and not really realized it until later on, done something or given something with almost a, a hidden agenda or an ulterior motive that I would gain a friend or that I would be returned to in kind. You know, it's called strings attached, right? Oh, you guys never do that. We all, we all fall prey to that. 
And, and the, when I found out about it, when I realized it, it happened subtly because I had done something and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this is a good relationship. And then when it wasn't returned or it didn't seem that the relationship was what I thought it was, I got upset. And the Spirit of God said, why are you upset? Because I'm not being treated the way I should be treated. Well, why should you be treated that way? Because of all the things I've done. And God very subtly and lovingly said, who'd you do it for? Well, I did it for them. And that's why you're upset, because it's not coming back from them. The Bible tells us everything we do, we do it as unto the Lord, because the Lord will repay us. The Lord's the one that will make sure. The Bible says that he will never forget your labor of love. Not just your labor, your labor of love. What we do in love, God never forgets. Because whatever we do without love, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3 says, basically paraphrasing those three verses, Anything and everything without love amounts to nothing. So we can do all these great things, but when we do what we do in love, we do it unto the Lord, and the Lord will repay you. How many of you know God never misses? He never forgets. He never overlooks. He's always faithful. And so it says, but love your enemies, do good, lend to them hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be Sons of the Most High God. So, your reward will be great. How many like rewards? The Bible says God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, we could think of all sorts of rewards. A trip to Hawaii, a new car. But all the rewards that we could mostly think of are just temporary. This tells us what the greatest reward is that we will be sons of the Most High God, that people will begin to recognize in our lives God. That's what we're here for. They're not here to see you and me. We're not here to see you and me. They're, we're here so that they see Jesus. That's why the Bible says that, that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth just like the waters cover the sea. And... It says it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. This end time, the harvest that's coming in, there's going to be a glorious revival. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And that glory is because we are being conformed to the image of the Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we do what we do, we walk in love towards everyone, it's going to be revealed that we're sons of the Most High God. Now, ladies, don't, don't worry about that. That word sons means builder of the family name. It's going to elevate the family name. It's going to expose more people to the family name. Then it goes on to say, For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful as your Father also is merciful. This, again, is revealing who God, agape, is because he is love 
He's kind to the unthankful and evil. Now, I know this is an obvious question, but I'm still going to ask it. Is that an easy thing to do? Is it a natural thing to do? So we can't go on autopilot and, and walk in this love. We have to be very intentional and be very aware of what's coming at us and what is rising up in us. Is it the flesh or is it the love of God? And, and as that happens, over and over and over again, as we interact with people and people do what they do, and we, we walk in this love that we, we've been reading about and learning about how in verse 12 and 13 in, in Colossians chapter 3, love is merciful and compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient and forgiving. These things become built into us more as we intentionally choose to respond from God, not from what we received. And we're kind. We're kind to the unthankful and the evil. What do you think people that are unkind and evil usually receive? What they sowed. And so it's going to be an anomaly. It's going to be a, a unique moment in time. They may not say anything. They may not even show a look on their face. But when you and I don't give back what they are expecting because it's what they always get back because it is what, it was, what was sown, and all of a sudden they get kindness back and they get mercy back and there's a humility in us and a gentleness and a patience and a forgiveness, those are the very seeds of revival in their lives. The very thing that God is going to use to turn them to him. It's exactly what happened with the Apostle Paul. When, when Stephen was being stoned and Paul was holding the, the coats of the people stoning Stephen, Stephen basically said, don't lay this to their account, forgive them. And that very thing the Bible says began to prick Paul's heart. And it was the opening when Christ met him on, on the road and knocked him off his donkey. That's where it all came together for him. But it was because Stephen and other Christians had done what they did in love in spite of what that was being done to them. This is the greatest witness we can be, that we don't react to what people do to us. We live a life directed and guided and empowered and graced by God. So this, this love, this love for our enemies, for those that do bad to us, for those that are evil. We love them into the kingdom of God. We can't scare them into the kingdom of God. We can't force them into the kingdom of God. The only way into the kingdom is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So love is the only pathway into the kingdom. And the only way that pathway is going to be built is it's being built in our lives. Amen? But it's so important that we recognize how God sees this and how, whether other people recognize it or not, how we're going to stand out and be different. In 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 10 through 11 in the uh, Passion Translation, it says, here's how God's children can clearly be distinguished from children of the evil one. These are the only two families in the face of the earth. I know we've got all sorts of races, but God only sees two things. The family of God and the family of the enemy. And he's believing the family of the, 
those that are under the control of the enemy are coming into his family. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to be saved. And so right here he says, here's how God's children can clearly be distinguished from the children of the evil one. Anyone or everyone who does not demonstrate righteousness and show love for fellow believers is not living with God as his source. Two things. Demonstrate righteousness. What is that? That's just living life God's way. When we walk in righteousness, right standing with God, we're following God. We're, we're aligning with God. And then it says, and showing love to fellow believers. If, if we aren't doing those two things, it's clearly indicative that God is not our source. Because we can't walk in righteousness and in this love without God. He is the source of love. Verse 11, the beautiful message you've heard right from the start is that we should walk in self-sacrificing love towards one another. And that's what this agape love is. It's unconditional. It's self-sacrificing. It's serving. Uh, it, it, it prioritizes. The priority of people that walk in the love of God is God and others. Just like Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. Those two go ahead of us. Because if we'll put God first and we'll put others second, God will take care of us. And we don't have to worry about us. And God will do a much better job of taking care of us than we, we will of ourselves. But right here, this is the message you've heard right from the start, is that we should walk in love, walk in self-sacrificing love towards one another. This love, this love is pricey. There's a price to be paid. God so loved the world, what was the price God paid? His only begotten son. But that's because he valued us so much that he said, I'm willing to give my only son because these people are so valuable to, to me. If God would give his son, why will we not give our lives? And I'm not saying you got to go to the cross, but we do have to pick up our cross and follow him. There are things we have to deny ourselves of. The, the, the freedom to just react to somebody else and give back in kind. Deny ourselves just doing what's comfortable or convenient or familiar. And do what is truly in resonance in us. The Spirit of God lives in us. And he, he floods our hearts with the love of God. And that love needs to be overflowing in every interaction we have with family, with friends, with neighbors, with co-workers, with strangers, with people that are crazy on the roads. We need to operate in love. I'm learning this. But this, is, this is, gives us no, no excuse. There's no rationalization or justification why we can't walk in love. Because God's telling us this is what he has for us to do. 
And, and we know what the scripture says. I can do most things through Christ who strengthens me. All things except love that jerk. Well, honestly, aren't there times where we say to God, yeah, I can do all things, but that, no. No, that's just, that's too much, God. God, I can do all things, but I can't, I can't, I can't work in the children's ministry. That's too much, God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, except God, you know, I can't, I can't get in front of people and talk. We can put our list there, but God knows that list doesn't exist. It's only for our good trying to justify us not giving ourselves to God in a way that God has for us to give ourselves to him and let him do a work in us that is clearly supernatural, clearly beyond us. And that's what God wants to do. God wants to do something in you and me that people are going to be shocked by. They're going to say, you know, I, I, I know Pastor Gabe, and this isn't what Pastor Gabe can do. And, and they see Christ. And then we affirm, you know what? That's what God can do when we let him have his way. In 1 John 4, 7, and 8, it, it, it confirms this connection between love and a, a true child of God. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, here it is. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And when we choose not to love, it's because we're, we're choosing to try and live and operate and, and uh, do life on our own best terms. And our own best terms will never, never come close to God's. But when we love, God is revealed in the midst of that. When, when you and I choose to love another fellow believer in Christ, God's presence is revealed in that, his very character and his nature. And we as Christians loving each other should recognize that and be inspired and encouraged and energized to turn now out to people that don't experience that, they don't have that in residence, and all of a sudden give them that that love that is compassionate and kind and gentle and patient and merciful and humble and forgiving because it's like a cool glass of water on a very thirsty, dry soul. And it's going to cause them to keep coming back towards that. But we can't love apart from God. God is love. And until we receive God who is love, and allow ourselves to be loved. Now, I just want you to close your eyes for a second, and I just want to speak to you as an individual, not in a group. I think one of the biggest challenges for us as human beings is to truly believe and accept the God who is perfect and all-knowing, knows everything, every detail, about our lives could really love us. And because of that, we hesitate to receive the love of God because we feel unworthy. Because we know 
we're guilty of doing things that are wrong. But understand, please, God, help me. Please open your hearts today. To recognizing that God has always loved you. God will always love you. And God does love you right now. And it's not because of you. It's because of him. Father, I pray that hearts would open. Be unlocked from guilt and shame and pain. To receive your love just flooding them and healing them. Settling them into the security of being accepted and affirmed and valued and loved by you. Father, thank you for healing hearts today. Thank you for silencing the enemy. That, that the voice of the good shepherd would be heard by his sheep, your children, that they are his beloved and always will be. Thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, you can open your eyes. And he starts out this way, beloved. You are the beloved of God. We don't do this often, but I'm going to ask you if you would just do this. Turn to somebody and tell them, look them in the eye and tell them, you are the beloved of God. And if you see somebody that's not being told that, get out of your seat and go to them. Tom, you're the beloved of God. Thank you, sir. Our ability to love is based on our ability to receive God's love. We can't give what we don't have. And the more we are opening our lives up to being loved by God, being in union and communion with God, connected, and recognizing we're accepted by God, that's the, the throttle point in our lives of how much love can fill us and how much love can flood from us. And, and in these days, we need to be opening up the spigots and letting it flow big time. But again, it's because we're first receiving and then we're able to give. 1 John 4, 19 through 21 says this, we love him because he first loved us. So what happened first, us loving him or him loving us? Him loving us. But that's where we just went through. You know, God's been loving us and loving us and loving us, but have we been allowing that love to saturate us or have we been pushing it back, feeling unworthy and, and uh, not, not able to receive it because of all the things that the enemy keeps reminding us that we did? Remember, when you came to Christ, you became a new creation. The Bible says old things have passed away. You don't have a history anymore with God. But the only one that will bring up your history is the enemy. And when he does, he's the father of all lies. Is it true? Yeah, it was true, but that's not who I am anymore. That's not who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. 
And so because he loved us first, we love him. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God should love his brother also. Yeah, but we like reading it the other way better. Must love his brother also. Why? If we, we don't love our brothers and sisters, we're not able to love God. Who, who, who is everybody, every human being made in the image of? God. So there is that stamp already on every human being. But once God comes in residence by his spirit into an individual who's received forgiveness and, and the lordship of Jesus Christ, not only are they the image, now they become the carrier of God. If we're not loving our brothers and sisters who are carrying God, we can't say, well, I, I can separate you from God. You can't. We need to love them just like we love God. Must love our brother. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. This is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And when we love, when we love, there is a, a, a divine power that is released through our lives because the power of love is transformational. God so loved. He gave when we love, when God loves, when others love us. There's something that is supernatural and transformational that occurs that can't occur any other way. And in 1 John 3, 14, it says this. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. This is how we keep living life the way God has. Because the moment we shut down and we stop loving, we move from life to death. Not that we're dead, but what we're doing is not bringing life to others. The only way life will be brought to others, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to bring life on behalf of God to people that are dead in their trespasses and sins. People that are imprisoned in guilt and shame. And the only way that happens is we love. And when we love, there is this supernatural work that's done. It's life-giving. Love's life comes as we love. There's this life that is unable to be experienced any other way. We can live in relationship with each other on, on various levels. But God has only the highest levels for us to live on because it's the best level. And it's that living a life of love. And in verse, verse 18 of the same chapter, it says, My children, our love should not be only in words and talk. No, our love must be real. We must show our love by the things we do. And understand that we can do all sorts of things. 1 Corinthians 13 Verse 1 through 3 tells us we have the tongue of angels and men and don't have love. 
we're just a clanging cymbal. If, if we give everything we have and our bodies to be burned, it amounts to nothing. If we have all knowledge and, and prophecy, it's nothing without love. This is where we have to see that and really build it into us when, when whatever we do, whenever, wherever we do it, love has to be the foundation of it. Love has to be the power of it. And love has to be what sustains it, that we don't quit, we don't stop. We must show our love by the things we do. And just returning to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, that's what love is. When people see joy and peace and patience, all those fruit in our lives. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, all those characteristics in our lives. And the ones that we've been majoring on in Colossians chapter 3, Verse 12 and 13, love is merciful, love is compassionate, love is kind, love is humble, love is gentle, love is patient, love is forgiving. Those characteristics are how that love is displayed. When we interact with others, they experience God because what we're doing is allowing God to be seen and to do a work in us and through us, extending out to them. Amen? I'd like to ask everyone to bow your heads. At this moment in time, and it happens when, when we hear God's word, when we read God's word, when we become aware of God's word, there's always a challenge of us wondering, can it really happen in my life? God wouldn't say it if it wasn't possible. But we can't do it without God's presence and provision. I'm just looking around and seeing everyone here I know. And your relationship with God is the key to this. Your relationship with God who is agape is the key to this. And it's allowing God to have more of us than ever before, more guidance in our lives, more governing in our lives, more guarding in our lives. And Father, I pray right now for myself as well as, as the rest of your family here. Father, we proclaim that Without you, we can do nothing, but with you, all things are possible. We proclaim that you, Lord, are the author and the finisher of our faith. We proclaim that you are at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. That you, Holy Spirit, reside in us, empowering us, and imparting to us a love that is beyond us, but now in residence in us through you. 
Father, help us to be mindful. Put a guard on our hearts, our mouths, our minds, that when we are tempted to fall into old habits and patterns, the familiar flesh, that, Father, we will recognize it and turn to you knowing that in our weakness, in our frailty, your strength is made full. That, Father, we're going to walk in a new and living way. Walk revealing you who are love and that love that brings life to us and through us to the, all those around us. Lord, we thank you for the good work that you've begun. And we are expecting you to complete it each day, growing in your grace and in your knowledge and in your love. Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. You will always give to us and do for us exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. And we thank you, Father, for this and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Remember the sign